Welcome to Caregiver SOS On Air, presented by the WellMed Charitable Foundation with nationally known gerontologist Carol Zernio and veteran broadcaster and attorney Ron Aaron. This program provides health, wellness, and other information for caregivers who are vital to the health and well-being of so many people across our country. Now, here are your hosts, Ron Aaron and Carol Zernio. Well, thank you so much for joining us today on Caregiver SOS On Air. I'm Ron Aaron and delighted to be here with my co-host, Carol Zerniel. It is amazing when you think about it, Carol, you know, all the years you've been in this field, we still end up learning something every week. You know, I, I was thinking exactly the same thing, how lucky we have been uh, to have uh, great conversations with so many different types of people over the years and how much I've actually learned from all of them. Well, we've got another example joining us today. Leslie Kernison is joining us. Uh, she is a geriatrician, founder of the website and podcast, Better Health While Aging, and the Helping Other Parents online programs, author of When Your Aging Parent Needs Help, and uh, that certainly touches a whole lot of folks who are listening to us today. Her goal and focus, helping older adults and their families manage late-life health challenges, and we are delighted, Leslie, to have you with us. Thanks for joining us here on Caregiver SOS On Air. Thank you so much for inviting me. What is it that interested you in this field? You uh, have gone on to get a degree as a, a geriatrician. And as uh, Carol will often tell you, at a cocktail party, when people say, what do you do? And you say, well, you know, I'm a geriatrician. They say, oh, that's interesting and walk away. Oh, well, maybe geriatricians I, have better luck than gerontologists. Yeah, uh, yeah. She's a doctor. She's more interesting. Well, um, I mean, I find people are interested, but also sometimes ambivalent. I think it depends on whether they have uh, an aging health concern or an aging parent that they want to ask about um, or not. But uh, yes, as a, a geriatrician, I went to medical school initially really interested in primary care and in comprehensive whole person care that really met every, you know, the different dimensions of needs. And then as a resident in internal medicine, I realized that the people who were most interesting to care for and also most in need of that really whole person approach were the older patients. And so that's how I ended up in geriatrics. And then uh, within geriatrics, I was interested in how we could make healthcare better for older adults because often it's not very good. And in geriatrics, I like to describe geriatrics as the art and science of modifying healthcare so it works better for older people and their families, um, because people may not realize that there's a special knowledge base, which is both about how you approach an older person and their family, and also about how um, different diseases or different conditions should be managed differently at a certain point as people uh, get older. So I was interested in how we could help more older adults access geriatric care through improving the healthcare system. But then I was invited to um, answer questions for a new website for boomers worried about aging parents. And I looked at that and I thought, oh, my God, people go Googling with questions and concerns that we in geriatrics know how to answer. And um, as you may know, there are not many geriatricians in the country, it's not like many people. Five. There's what? <laughs> there's five. five. <laughs> it sometimes feels that way, you know, or there's certainly um, at least five to ten older people who would benefit from our help for each one that we're able to take care of. So I got really interested in this idea of how we could empower older adults and families, because of course, you know, the most important member of the healthcare team is the patient and their family. 
And so how can we support them? And um, so that really changed my career. And ever since, I have put a large part of it towards um, trying to be that bridge between the area of expertise that is geriatrics and um, families and older adults who are looking for answers because I can't take care of every family who would benefit from my help. But by um, empowering people with better information, I think we can just really make a difference despite the shortage of geriatricians. So that's how well, for I those of you who this. may, For those of you who may have just joined us, uh, this is Caregiver SOS On Air. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Carol Zerniel. And we're talking about When Your Aging Parent Needs Help, a book by Dr. Leslie Kernison. And we're talking with her about ways in which we can help not only aging parents, but adults uh, who are aging as well, whether they're your parent or not. And what prompted you to go ahead and get a master's in public health as well, Leslie? Well, so there again, just, um, you know, if you get a medical degree, you learn the doctoring, which is pretty narrowly focused. And I wanted to go beyond that to how we really make the healthcare system better for older adults and families or how we do kind of more to, uh, to change things. So that led to uh, my degree in, in public health. And I also studied quality improvement. Um, but in the public health school, they let me study uh, online information seeking, what people were looking for uh, online and, uh, and the writing. And so, so the book, so I started answering questions for the public in, that was in 2008. I've been running Better Health While Aging since 2014 and lots of helpful articles. And over and over again, we've had a variant of the same kind of question, which is I've noticed these changes in my aging parent. I'm concerned, but when we try to explain why they have to do something, they refuse or say no, and so we're stuck. What do we do next? So this, um, this theme of the concern about the older parent who's refusing the help kept um, coming up. And I know that um, you know, caregiving is often a journey. And so at some point, people get more involved in this journey of supporting an older parent who's experiencing some late life challenges. And it occurred to me that the beginning is often very difficult because people aren't sure if it's normal or not. They don't have a diagnosis. Their parent is not used to getting help. Their parents' doctors are not used to involving them. And so I really wanted to write something that spoke to that, um, that early phase. I was going to originally call the book When Your Aging Parent Starts Needing Help uh, because uh, I do have an approach that, uh, that I teach people. It's based on you know, the approach that I take uh, myself. And so I wanted to you know, break that down and give them something for that early stage, which I think is often especially challenging. Tell us about that. Yeah, the early stages is, you know, that's really key. And and getting people to think about caregiving and what's going on earlier is certainly a goal of many of us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I think at that point, people don't think of themselves as caregivers. They think of themselves as, I want to help. Something seems wrong. (laughs) How can I get you to let me help? And um so, uh, so when I thought about it, you know, the approach, and we in geriatrics often have older adults who are reluctant to accept our help or do something that we think might be helpful. And so when I thought about it, I thought, well, you know, usually, first of all, I start off by thinking, could there be a memory loss or thinking problem involved? Because if there is, then we might have to take a slightly different approach to this. Um, but the other thing I really learned in geriatrics training is how important it is to start off by being curious about how the person you're trying to help sees their situation and what are, what matters to them. 
what are their most important desires and what are their fears. And this is kind of counter to the usual doctoring approach because the usual doctoring approach is I'm the expert. I'm going to come in. I'm going to tell you what to do. And then you can do it, (laughs) which I think doesn't work well for anybody, but especially with older adults who may be slipping cognitively or are going through this challenging phase of adjusting to changes in their reality. Um, You know, we're really taught in our training to start by, you know, by listening a lot, because when you listen, you get really useful information in terms of understanding how they see it. But also when you, when you understand what is important to someone and when you can convey that, help them feel heard, then you can frame your suggestions as a way to help them get something that's important and you can be much more uh, successful. So when I thought, I thought, well, I start off by thinking, is there really signs of cognitive impairment or another serious problem? But also, how can I be curious? How can I listen? How can I find out more? And then maybe we can work together more effectively to pick a few next steps that might be reasonable. So in the book, we divided it into four sections. The first is taking stock. The second is taking aim. And the third is taking action. And we really encourage concerned family members so often want to go in and just do something, you know, and they keep trying to explain to their parent why this is concerning and their parent should do something. And it's really well-intentioned and it's counterproductive. And so we give people a framework where we say, well, stop, stop, stop. So first of all, let's first see, are there really worrisome warning signs? And we break those down for cognitive, for safety, for signs of difficulty managing usual life tasks. We have checklists and worksheets, things that are really helpful to bring then to the doctor. And then we also say, stop, stop, stop. First, step back and try to find out more. How does your parents see this? So have a conversation that's not about trying to convince them of your perspective, but that's really curious because- How do you open up that conversation? How how do you begin that conversation with a parent without putting them on the defensive? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, Well, I would say it depends on what you're- uh, So if you have noticed something, um, what I tell people is to be kind of casual and say, you know, I noticed this or that. Tell me a little bit more about it. And just that, just see. So if, if you notice they had a fender bender, instead of going into your driving is so unsafe, you should be, you know, changing what you're doing. Um, just bring that up and see, see what they say about it. Same thing if you've, you know, noticed a few falls or something like that. So that's what I would say for, you know, a, a specific concern is just like one little observation and then open it up to tell me a little bit more. Because you're trying to find I, I remember, out. Yeah. I remember saying to my mom, uh, uh, shortly after my dad had died, I, I said, you know, mom, uh, how are you feeling? You seem a little depressed to me. <laughs> she said, Ronnie, of course I'm depressed. Your dad's dead. Yes. Okay. So, right. And so then, so another thing that also happens is that older adults, um, older adult children often want their parent to feel better. So, right. so they might hear that and right away try to shift it to, but look, people have been coming over and dropping off food and, you know, cause, cause we want to help them feel better. But often what they need is just some space for people around them to be like, oh yeah, that's, you know, that's gotta be tough. You know, what's been helping or what's been hardest, you know, and open some space for people to, um, to share that. Um, so, and that's part of the helping them feel heard and that it's okay to have the feeling or the perspective they have. And, so, and sometimes we might find our older parents have a 
perspective that uh, is really worrisome to us or, you know, might even be uh, very strange. <laughs> um, but that's useful information um, too. So um, for just general concerns, you know, if there's not something specific, uh, I think, you know, people um, sometimes if something has happened to someone else, you know, hey, I was thinking about Mrs. So-and-so who, you know, got sick the other day and was at the hospital and, you know, left me thinking about you and, you know, I know you're doing great. I want you to keep doing great. And I know, you know, something could happen. And can we have a conversation? I want to make sure that I understand what's important to you. Now uh, hold that thought. We're going to come yeah. right back to you. Don't go anywhere. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Carol Zerniel. We're talking on our caregiver SOS on our hotline with Dr. Leslie Kernison, talking about how to help your folks when they seem to be slipping in one way or another. You're listening to Caregiver SOS on air. The WellMed Charitable Foundation would like to remind you it is important to stay connected while social distancing. Caregiver stress may be higher now, and specialists are available to talk with. There's no question that we are living in not normal times, but whether... The new normal will be the old normal is yet to be seen. So if you are troubled, if you are feeling stressed, ask for help. Services are provided at no cost. See more at caregiversos.org. Hello, friend. Well, thank you so much for sticking with us right here on Caregiver SOS On Air. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Carol Zerniel, and we're talking to a geriatrician, Dr. Leslie Kernison, author of When Your Aging Parent Needs Help. And boy, that's something that a whole lot of folks could benefit from. And as I heard you describe the book, Leslie, uh, you've got step-by-step suggestions, you've got worksheets, all kinds of ways you can be a more effective child of an aging parent. And in in case of folks who are listening, first of all, where do they find the book? Well, so it's it's on Amazon and available at all your favorite online booksellers um, right now. So, and I think can be ordered okay. in regular bookstores as well. That's cool. And talk to us a, a little more about uh, the, the kind of questions that you've been an- answering and, and the kind of questions that you get in terms of your online help. Yeah, so we get a lot of questions um, about, uh, should I be worried about my parents' memory or situation? I've gotten a lot of questions of, you know, like, should my aging mom be living at home? She's 88. And, uh, and one of the things that I've tried to do, you know, in the articles at Better Health While Aging, but also in the book, is, um, is to teach people the steps so they can get closer to answering that question or know how to work with their parents' health providers to answer that question. Because of course the question is, it depends. I mean, there are people, even people who are quite frail, who are actually in good condition cognitively and are choosing to live in ways that make their family uncomfortable. And if, if that's the case, um, sometimes what we have to do as adult children is realize that we have different priorities than our parents. And what our role is, is to learn more about what matters to them and accept that and divide a little bit what we want for ourselves from, from them <laughs> and accept that they may want to take some safety risks to keep living uh, in a home they've lived in for a long time. And, and, and um, another thing we speak to in the book is that your job as the adult child is not to get the perfect safety outcome for your parents. It's to accompany them on this journey and get to know them better 
and yeah. go through it. Now, if they are slipping cognitively, then that starts to change things. And in that case, it becomes ethically and eventually legally more permissible to step in, even if they don't want you to, because when people start to lose their memory and thinking you know, far enough, then they really can't appreciate the risks that they are taking their insight can become very uh, damaged and then families do sometimes have to step in. So we also wanted to give people a framework for working their way through that. And interestingly, the American Bar Association, um, which has a commission on law and aging, uh, a few years ago created a, a tip sheet for family caregivers, top 10 tips. And the number one tip was understand decisional capacity. Right. Because they said it's very important for understanding when powers of attorney become active and also for thinking through this question of, is what my parent is doing too unsafe? Are we supposed to step in or not? Well, their mental capacity is very important. But what I found interesting when I saw that is that nobody is really explaining to families, <laughs> you know, how to go about doing this. And not that through the book you can determine capacity all, all by yourself as a family member. But the idea was to give people at least a basic understanding so that, again, they could be empowered to ask better questions of their parents' doctors or of attorneys or to think through this question of, so are we supposed to accept they're doing something that makes us uncomfortable or is this, are there really signs that they're losing the ability to make these judgments and we're going to eventually potentially have to step in if we can't gently nudge them or convince them? Well, there's a, there's a couple of things that you said there that I just want to emphasize. Number one is that your physician can be a great asset to you if you find yourself in a situation where there may be cognitive impairment, where there's some difficult decisions to be made. Um, we often tell the caregivers, you know, I don't want to make the geriatrician necessarily the bad guy, but the family member who's got to live with mom or dad or, or, or do something difficult. You, it's better to have a professional. Sometimes that advice um, is easier. And then that idea of, of really People are allowed to make bad decisions if they have they're cognitively intact. Um, you know, an example, not necessarily of a bad decision, but it was a difficult decision. My great aunt, who was ninety seven, been living in assisted living, didn't have any children. So, you know, we, my sister and I, were helping uh, look out for her, and she decided to check herself out of assisted living and move back into independent living because she didn't have as much in common. You know, mm -hmm. she was cognitively intact, and she wanted more. Uh, people around her that were more mentally um, active uh, than what she found. Uh, and at 97, that was pretty scary for all of us. Um, but, you know, she did it. Uh, it, you know, it, it was okay. It wasn't super great, but it was okay. And we just had to learn to be comfortable with that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I couldn't agree more. You know, I definitely encourage families to leverage you know, health providers, other experts to, to help them out. And my experience, especially in terms of sort of studying quality, is that um, many health providers don't provide the right help <laughs> for an older person with cognitive impairment. And I've had so many families over the years, I've also looked over a lot of charts, where even though the person is having lots of problems, like signs of problems, of functional impairment, the doctor waves it off and says, oh, it's just aging. Or sometimes they give them a dementia diagnosis without actually doing a thorough evaluation. And it's not okay to jump to that conclusion either, because there are dementia mimics, there can be medications that make things worse. And so uh, so we also in the book and on better health while aging have articles about, you know, here's what the experts recommend be checked. And so here's what you can sort of ask because the provider just may not really know. 
they're they're used to working very quickly. This feels kind of like a, oh, but you know, if you can make it easier, like, well, can you know, can we check on this? Have has their thyroid been checked? Can we can you help us look over medications? Could any of them be affecting the person? Um, you're again more likely to get more of the evaluation that would um, be helpful. Well, you so make you a more knowledgeable advocate on behalf of your parent. Yeah, well, I'm sorry to say that I think patients and families do have to advocate because anyone who's had a lot of interaction with the healthcare system, I mean, I think people are generally well-intentioned, but they may not have the training, they may not have the experience, and also the healthcare system is often not very supportive of them. So I often tell people that if you can't find a geriatrician, what's really good is to go to a clinic that was specially designed for older adults, because even if they don't have board certified geriatricians, if they have just set themselves up to regularly check medication, to ask older adults about falls, you know, you're already going to get much better care probably for that older person than at a very garden variety primary care office that is just kind of used to churning through people who are simpler. Well, and the CDC, the CDC uh, physician this morning at a conference I was online with was talking about how in the last, with the COVID, we really saw the physiological differences in older people. I mean, very in stark relief, who got COVID, who died the most frequently from COVID, you know, there's the physiology is just different. Mm -hmm. Um, And we're not, uh, children are not small adults. Women are not men of a different shape and old people are not just like young people. No, they're, they're not. Um, and they still, you know, should be involved as much as possible. And, you know, I think that's what's challenging about it is the kind of the transition is less obvious than when children turn uh, into um, adults. But sensitivity to medication starts, you know, probably when people are in their 60s. We start seeing falls uh, going up. And um, so just, you know, as you're uh, educating yourself, looking for things that are specific to the health of older adults, I think is uh, is important. Well, your first two sections, it was take stock and mm-hmm. take aim. Mm-hmm. What kind of tools do you have in take action? I'm, cu- I'm curious about your, the last section. Of yeah. The so really briefly. So in taking aim, we sort of explain to people how ideally an older person who's been showing signs of um, the subtitle for the book is a geriatrician step-by-step guide to memory loss, resistance, safety, worries, and more. So in the taking aim part, we, we sort of illustrate what ideally the evaluation would be for an older person who's either slipping mentally or is showing declines in independence or inabilities. So they should have both a medical evaluation to understand why, because when we see worrisome changes, there usually is an underlying health something that is provoking it. Now, the challenge is that it can't be fixed just by medical procedures. Older adults usually need a plan to um, provide more supports in the home um, and, and things that sort of fall outside what usual doctors do, but social workers and geriatric care managers can be very helpful for that. So we sort of explain, you know, what the plan would, would look like. And so then in taking action, um, also in taking it, we explain why it's often very hard to do the ideal, <laughs> which is that the healthcare system is not uh, optimally equipped to do the evaluation. It can be hard to get somebody to come to the home and, you know, propose changes that would improve life for your parent. It's a whole process negotiating with the parents and helping them accept the changes or, or even deciding whether, you know, uh, they're able to accept them or not. And so in taking action, we kind of break it down into an ABCD worksheet to help people look over what they found out so far you know, what the ideal is. And we tell them it's going to be very, you can't 
achieve the ideal quickly. And that's not, there's nothing wrong with you. It doesn't mean you did it wrong. It's just that our society is not equipped right now to make this easy for families, even though I wish it were. And so we break it down to pick a little piece, you know, <laughs> like look over the things and pick a piece that either seems really important or seems doable and work on that. And when you propose something to your parent, you should expect that you'll have to try a few times. And so we've got about a minute left. Prepare people for that too. So that's the taking action. So the idea was instead of giving people a fish, it was to teach them in a way how to fish, you know, how to cycle through looking at like what's going on with my parent, how do they feel about it? What would be ways, you know, the ideal next steps and what can we try to do next? Now, Leslie, before we have to say goodbye. Yes. We've got about less than a minute left. Tell us about your podcast. Oh, yes. Well, uh, so at Better Health While Aging, betterhealthwhileaging.net online, we have lots of articles and I also have a podcast where we talk about common problems that affect the health of older adults and challenges in helping aging parents. And then I uh, have also, uh, we have the book and we also run a couple online helping older parents programs. Right now, one for helping older parents with early memory loss. So where do we find you online? Uh, betterhealthwhileaging.net. And if you sign up, it's free. We send out a helpful article that I've written about every two weeks. Hey, thank you very much. You've been fabulous to talk with. We really, really appreciate it. Dr. Leslie Kernison, and we uh, look forward to talking to you again. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, you take care. For Carol Zerniel, I'm Ron Aaron. Thank you so much for joining us today on Caregiver SOS On Air. You've been listening to Caregiver SOS On Air, an exclusive presentation of the WellMed Charitable Foundation. We welcome emails with suggestions and comments on this program at radio at wellmed.net. Join co-hosts Carol Zerniel and Ron Aaron next week for more on caregiving, improving the health and well-being of caregivers and their care recipients everywhere. For more on caregiving and podcasts of our programs, visit caregiversos.org.